podcast. You heard that right. Podcast, I'm calling it. Um, and we got so much positive feedback from the session I recorded with Antonio last week, which has been really great. So I'm ready to call this a podcast, even if it's only seasonal for the Oscars. <laughs> uh, but... If you tuned in last episode, Antonio and I didn't cover all the categories. Uh, there are 23 categories. We only did eight of them. So I've asked my uh, former grad school office mate and longtime friend, Greg Cass, uh, to join me to break down uh, what's happening in seven more categories. Hey, Greg. What's going hey, on? Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I will say I did a lot of talking back to your last episode with Antonio. Not that I thought you two were wrong. I just wanted to be part of the conversation. And I was imagining like, oh, when I get on, what I'm going to say. And then I was like, oh, right. He took all the really fun categories. <laughs> but we we got some good stuff to talk about. So I'm looking forward to this as well. We do. And, and you're doing the like yeoman's work of all the shorts today. So I like, I tip my hat to you because that's usually the, those are the categories that I think when I'm pressed for time, I usually ignore or don't get to. So I appreciate that we're, that we're going through it today. Um, but before we get started, I want to just uh, let everyone know that you have the distinction out of all my cinephile friends. And I have a few, <laughs> you're the only one who sees every single Oscar nominee every year. So that is every single film that has any kind of nomination, and so I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. How did you start doing that? You know, what motivates you? How do you actually make the time to see all these movies? Yeah, so I started, uh, I think, four years ago, I had a friend who was really committed, um, a friend other than you, uh, a local friend who uh, was really committed to see all the best picture. And I did that with him, except I believe that was the Green Book year. And I was like, nope, it's not going to win. I'm not watching that trash. And then, of course, it won. Um, so after that year, I decided, oh, let me actually push that a little further and, and try to see how many I can see. And, you know, uh, it is a lot of movies. Movies. It tends to be between 50 and 60 on a given year. Of course, it can fluctuate a lot depending on how many overlap and so on. Um, but I realized that it just makes me a better film watcher. Um, it, you know, I, I love a good popcorn blockbuster, but it's like so, such a small slice of what's out there and what's being created. So, so I have, um, the last three years I've managed to see them all. I think last year it, um, there was a documentary, I'm not going to remember the title, that wasn't released until the Tuesday after the ceremony. Why? I don't know. I mean, that seems like the worst possible plan for it. Um, so I did not finish by the ceremony last year, but the first year and then this year again, I've, I've finished. And this year I finished up earlier than ever. So uh, to the question of how, this year the key to success was just seeing a lot throughout the year. Um you know, this year in particular, a lot of stuff was spread out. So, you know, the fact that everything everywhere is going to absolutely dominate. And I had checked that off by like the first week of April, um, you know, right. uh, made a big difference. No, that's, oh, that's amazing. And also, I think we can give you a free pass. I think you're being too hard on yourself. I feel like you should set it to what is legally available. That should be the the goal right? What, at the, at the moment, at the time of the ceremony. Um, but yeah, it's still incredible. I'm still jealous. Like I try to, I have a similar thing, but my scale is much smaller. I try to make sure I see all the best picture nominees and that's sort of my checklist for the year, which is like 
infinitesimal compared to what you do. <laughs> um, and I still only just finished last weekend. I saw Avatar over the weekend to clock to close it out. Um, so, so yeah, so hats, hats off to you for sure. Well, okay. this year, this year was the first year I'd ever had the 10 done the day the nominations came out. I rarely have had the best pictures all completed by that. So that was kind of a stroke of luck, depending on what was nominated. Yeah. That's really uh, I'm good. only going to, yeah. Some years you really just can't tell. And it's like, oh, I haven't seen any of these. Yeah. And I, and just because of our conversation tonight, I want to plug people should really make the shorts a priority when they're thinking of this project because it's really easy because they have a night um where you can go for the price of one ticket and see all, all the live action and then a second ticket for all the animated. So I know I have the beauty of having like five art house theaters near me and that's a privilege. But if other people have the opportunity, I, I really recommend it. It's a fun night because it's all nerdy film people there and everybody's kind of checking off and, and mumbling to each other but during the credits so it's a lot of fun and i recommend it amazing how long was it this year when they're all together uh neither was two hours um uh or over two hours i should say um actually the last two years i've done them i've done live action and animated all in one go i like you know go watch five grab a burger and then go back and watch the other five. And and that's even more insane. And there are a few people who've done that with me and we're like, you know, grizzled war veterans by the end, especially because shorts can be a little heavy. Uh, even if they're not long, there's some that are really deep and painful. <laughs> that's very, very, very true. All right. So we're going to dig into three features categories. So it's international feature, documentary feature, animated feature, as well as, as Greg's saying, the three short film categories. It's animated, doc, live action. Uh, and then we're going to throw in score at the end for good measure. That was mostly because I didn't know where else <laughs> to put it and we needed to divide this up evenly. Um, so are you ready to get started? I am ready to get started, and I'm so grateful you divided score my way instead of best original song. So, yes, maybe those should go together, but I don't want to talk about songs. So, sure. uh, so yeah, spo spoiler, we right after this, later tonight, I'm going to be recording with PT to finish off the um, uh, the rest of the, the categories, including best song. So, And I, he seems really pumped to talk about that, so nice. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. So we, as a reminder, if, if you didn't watch, I'm uh, sorry, if you didn't listen to the the other episode we did with Antonio, we are going to talk about for each of these categories, who we think will win and who we think should win. Uh, so just keep that in mind is that if we think someone it will win, that doesn't necessarily mean that's our favorite or that's the personal preference. That's what the should win should be. Right. Um, all right. So let's start with international feature. Uh, Greg, what do you have for your will win and should win? All right. So do do we want to do a quick rundown of the nominees to remind people? Or? Oh, that's probably a good idea, especially for these. Sure. Players. I have them right here. So we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. So uh, starting with Will Win, I think this is a complete lock. If you're in your Oscar pool, you can bet on this one. It's All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, a high quality film, a prestige film, just the perfect prize to give this and then, um, you know, move on to the, the American films for the main categories. So I think there's no doubt that that's going to win. And I'm honestly not that upset about it. Um, I think that's a really good choice out of these. 
I uh, enjoyed all of these. I will say um, I made the unusual choice of watching The Quiet Girl actually without subtitles. Um, and that had to do with my access to it. And it's it's interesting because it's an Irish film um, in an Irish language. And um, you there are there are English portions in it. Uh, but I actually entirely followed it. And, you know, it's close enough. And it, and the actors are just expressive enough that that was a fun choice. Um, and then we get another donkey movie with EO. So I think, I think it's all quiet is definitely going to win. I would agree with that. I think, yeah, as you said, to me, this is the minimum of what all quiet will win. Right. Mm. It's like the, it's, this is where it's, it's night starts is winning this um, because it has a best picture nominee uh, nomination. And the, and then the questions I'm kind of with my total Oscar pool sort of going back and forth of like, how many can I give this reasonably? Mm. How big a night is it going to have, you know, compared to everything everywhere? Um, but yeah, this is, this is, yeah, this is not a controversial will win or prediction. It's, it's definitely, it's almost certainly going to win. Uh, even though Arge- Argentina 1985 confused everybody when it, it won the Golden Globe, right? <laughs> I remember people <laughs> being like, huh? Okay. I, I swear um, Amazon paid for that because it was streaming on Amazon. And it's like it instantly popped to the top of their charts. I'm like, I don't know how it won that Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I have to confess that I have actually only seen All Quiet on the Western Front from all the <laughs> from all the nominees, which is embarrassing. But I did watch all the trailers in preparation for this to just kind of have some context. Um, and honestly, I my should win is I'm writing in RRR. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually like to do that. I like to go from what the nominees, but RR was like one of the fa- my favorite films of the year. And it just wasn't India's submission. India submitted another film as their bid for the Oscar nomination and didn't get it. So um I I feel like this is this is my one place where I can I can plug that uh potentially during during this discussion. So um <laughs> but I do I will say that the out of the trailers, EO was the one that I'm like, oh, I'm I'm such a fool. Why didn't I see this movie? It looks like something I really love. <laughs> well, again, you ask, how do I see all the movies? I saw EO in the theater on Super Bowl Sunday. So there was nobody else in the building, let alone in the theater. And I was nice. there uh, watching EO the donkey uh, have some adventures. Uh, EO, you know, I, I completely agree on the trailer. The filmmaking and the cinematography are really great. Uh but it's kind of a preachy kind of morality tale thing at the end of it. And it's kind of like, eh, I think, Is it I think like I knew war horse. I feel like that's the last movie that was sort of like based on an animal. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I, don't remember War Horse well, but I will say what's interesting about EO is it is entirely about the donkey. So there, there is language, there's, there's dialogue. It's not like a silent film, but it follows the donkey and the characters that are in it just disappear entirely. And there are parts of War Horse like that, but War Horse is more about the relationship in the end. Um, so it almost feels like something like, I don't know, almost like a babe movie. I know the babe, the animals talk, the animals don't talk in EO. Um, but I actually, when I was sitting there, I'd forgotten if it was international feature or documentary. And at first I, when the, I think I thought it was documentary. And when I could tell like, Oh, this is constructed and narrative. I don't think this is a documentary <laughs> at all. So, so I figured that out. 
Um, well, what? <laughs> no, uh, I will say I am, uh, you know, really upset that you cheated in this category and will say I would never cheat, but my shared win was also RRR, which I put yes. in because it really deserves this credit. And I think, um, this whole situation is just a reminder that the way international feature film gets nominated, get nominated is just ridiculous. So the fact that yeah. the country nominates or picks a nominee and then all of those singular nominees from each country get picked. I also recently heard on a podcast that the country gets the award in many cases. So like, yeah, not the director. Yeah, you think about these great international filmmakers who won Oscars and they're probably sitting in like the cultural ministry of their their country. That's just that's all a bunch of fooey and it's it's outdated. Yeah. And especially now that the Academy is becoming more international, which is a story that, you know, you and I as avid listeners of Oscar podcasts and movie podcasts here all the time. Uh, and so I feel like there really is no excuse now because, and especially in recent years, we've seen international feature and best picture or just other categories sort of like overlap a little bit more than, whereas they never would probably, you know, 10 or 10 or 15 years ago. So yeah, RR, uh, it's, it's, it's a raw deal. I feel mm-hmm. like it would be, it would be actually probably the front runner potentially in this category or potential spoiler to upset if it had been actually nominated. Um, I, I just love it because it's, it's epic in the best way possible. It's really over the top, but so well done. And the, the story is really gripping, like the, the relationship between these two, these two characters and sort of how that evolves and sort of shifts and changes over time. And then, I don't know, it just, it's just a really, it's a fist pump kind of movie. And I, I love it. <laughs> It is. And so, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, and that's why I would give it to it. My should win from the actual list, I think All Quiet is very deserving. So I put that down. If if you were going to yell at me and make me pick one from the list, I would pick All Quiet. There are things in that movie that are going to haunt me forever. A few scenes that I won't mention specifically, but, um, you know, well worth a watch and, and a good war film that manages to not glorify war. Right. So, um, I right. think, Which it's, I think it's, is why it's getting winner. a lot of awards attention, to be honest. It's the, it's a really successful anti-war war film. Well, um, and to have Germany own that story now, because the really famous version from the 30s, which I recently watched, is American and is mm-hmm. very American. So to have Germany tell that story that is from one of their authors, I think was a great choice and really fitting winner for that category. Yeah, for sure. All right. Documentary feature. What's your <laughs> will win and should win? All right. So documentary feature is usually a really hard part of the list to get through. And while this is not a like incredibly uplifting set of films, I will say it's a very diverse group of films, which made this a lot better to, to get through. Uh, I believe two years ago was, um, there were two nominees that were very, hard to watch documentaries about the war in Syria. One was about an underground emergency room. One was about children. And it was like a really, really tough uh, watch. And, and, you know, documentaries should be that and they should be important. So the set of films here are beautiful in how different they are. All that breathes, all the beauty in the bloodshed, fire of love, a house made of splinters and Navalny. 
So we'll win. I'm putting my money on Navalny. Um, Navalny is a, a profile of the largest critic of Vladimir Putin, his political opponent. Um, you know, I think as I watched this, I was remembering like dribs and drabs of news stories over the years, but uh, there were multiple attempts to assassinate him. Um, and it's about his survival and him. Actually, there's some great kind of all the president's men's uh, sequences of him investigating his own assass- attempted assassination. And it's just jaw dropping, like what they caught in those moments and what, you know, he, he did and he figured out. Um, now Navalny, the man is currently in a prison. Uh, we hear not doing well and we hear being regularly tortured by the forces of Vladimir Putin to, uh, you know, you know, essentially make up a confession that he's an American agent or something and get, you know, exiled forever or executed. Um, so, all of that is swirling around this film in a way that it's just going to be the perfect way for Hollywood to say, we hate you, Putin. We're going to, we're going to celebrate this film. I think that's why it won the BAFTA. And, um, that's why I think it'll, it'll carry the night. Should win yeah, is a I, much, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say that, like, I feel like the conversation about Navalny's chances has really changed over time, probably for the reason that you're talking about, because I remember before our non- nominations came out, Everyone was like, is it going to make it in? Right. Mm. And that was uh, something I've heard a couple podcasters say is that that was its biggest challenge to overcome. And now that it's in, it's quickly shot up to the top because it's it's so topical and timely and has like a like is politically something that voters could feel good about. Um, And and also because it's it's just a really good thriller for a and Mm. for a documentary like it, it if you didn't tell me that it was a true story and that Navalny was an actual person, I would have maybe mistakenly thought that this was like <laughs> a, mocu- a mockumentary about a spy thriller or something like that. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, and the way that it's edited has a lot to do with that. Just the fact that Navalny, the way that they interview him makes him seem so incredibly charming. Yeah. It's yeah. just like insane. I was like, this guy is basically a movie star. <laughs> and what, like, what, what is this movie <laughs> that we're watching? How is this documentary? Um, so yeah, so I think, but yeah, I was sorry, I was interrupting your, your should win. Well, and, and I, I'll just put a cap on what you just said. It is edited, it, it's, uh, co-edited or co-produced by CNN. So it feels like a long form 60 minutes piece or something like that. Or, or like you're noting with his charisma, it's like a campaign video in some ways, but, um, it all just works. And, you know, I, I really was shocked at a few of this. Uh, should win is so hard because I really enjoyed a lot of these. Um, I would, Looking at the list, I would not be upset if any of the five won, uh, just to get that on the record. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is a really important film about the activism against the Sacklers, uh, kind of merged with a portrait of, uh, Nan Golden, the artist. And it's really, really good and a reminder of this kind of issue that we've forgotten. Fire of Love is just a beautiful archive of footage that they kind of fumbled their way through. Poor Werner Herzog released a second documentary based on that same archive of footage this year. And I think, you know, I'm sure both parties had it in the works for a long time. It's like they they both have to be bummed because by all accounts, Werner Herzog did it to better effect, but nobody watched because everybody's like, we already watched this film this year. So, um, so the one that's going to stick with me and uh, Jen and I saw each other in person 
the morning after I watched this is House Made of Splinters which is a portrait of a Ukrainian orphanage. Um, and when I heard that description, I assumed it was about the war. It is actually set entirely before the war. All the project was uh, completed before that, or uh, the footage was shot anyway. Um, you know, I, I saw it in a moment when I was away from my two children, but the way they uh, get their cameras so intimately with these orphans and share their stories, and there's this one boy named Kolka who broke my heart because he's you know that classic uh like 10 12 year old who you can see the good in him but you can see like the older boys are kind of pulling him away and he's right on the edge and then um they break up spoilers i guess they break up his family so he has to say goodbye to his his uh little sister on camera you get this little boy wishing his sister goodbye and putting some ABCs on a chalkboard and saying, you got to learn these. You have to be perfect. And, and it like, it destroyed me. So um it's a smaller film. It's, you know, it, it's, it is political and kind of tied to the moment, but I think it's going to get lost in these bigger films. So that's my pick for should win. Oh, yeah. That's a good pitch. Although now that you've described it more, I don't know if I could watch that. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> Any parent is going to be destroyed by it. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think so. So again, full confession, I actually have only seen Navalny out of mm. all the nominees. So I feel like I'm not really qualified to weigh in on the should win uh, here, though. I, you know, I'm totally happy with Navalny winning because I really liked it. And I saw it last year at Sundance virtually and again, as I said earlier, was just sort of blown away that it was a documentary. Documentaries actually aren't really, like, I appreciate documentaries. They're not something I necessarily seek out unless it's in the Oscars context, honestly. Um, But every time I watch one, I'm like, these are great. Like, I should watch more more documentaries. So I don't know what's wrong with me. But yeah, this one, I think, was like, to me, had just like more of a, and I think that's why it's going to win. It's because it has more of that populist appeal. What's interesting is that Fire of Love was actually a front-runner for a really long time Mm. but then everyone kind of put the asterisk at the end of it because it's mostly found footage and apparently the documentary branch kind of not frowns upon it but they just don't want to reward that's not as challenging as doing your own interviews and kind of cutting together doc like uh, uh, archival footage with sort of like current interviews and current narration and stuff like that so uh i think that's sort of why it's been dropping down in the running um but I've also heard people say that uh, all that breathes could be also a spoiler. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I'd be, if you told me, you know, it's the morning after the Oscars and any of those won, uh, I'd be perfectly happy. I think these are all really fun. Um, uh, I just want to put in a plug. These are all very accessible this year, which is very rarely the case. So all that breathes is on HBO already. Fire of Love is on Disney+. Plus. Um, I don't think House Made of Splinters is available in the U.S. It is a BBC production, so if you have a VPN, uh, you can see it. Uh, and then um, uh, I believe All the Beauty and the Bloodshed was purchased by HBO, so it's coming there eventually. It may just not have made its way there yet. Um, it had a limited theatrical run here in Boston, so I, I caught it then. So Nice. Nice. All right. Animated feature. So this one I feel like is also going to be an easy category, <laughs> to, to, at least to discuss the prediction. Uh, mm. But what are, what's your what's your will win for animated feature? The other category that I'd seen everything on nomination day. Thank you, Parenthood, uh, that has allowed me to see these films 
all many times in most cases. So uh, you're absolutely right. The will win without a doubt is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I mean, um, riding on the charisma of Guillermo and his small wooden puppet boy that he takes uh, on the red carpet with him. Uh, this will absolutely win. Um, you know, you can't ask for a better spokesman than Guillermo. Really? Uh, everybody likes him. He's really affable and, and just funny. And, and so, um, but all, all that aside, it's also a really good film. It did something really interesting uh, with Pinocchio and changed it um, while doing some kind of gorgeous stop motion animation. And so um, while it may have may be kind of the obvious choice, I don't think it's a bad choice. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I, this would definitely this is my will win and should win um, because. It it really took me by surprise. I didn't know much about it other than it was an adaptation of Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro. And so, I mean, that was enough to sell me on it. I was like, yes, I'm definitely seeing this movie. Uh, but I feel like how melancholy it was and how like political it was and poignant really took me by surprise. I think I didn't, the, the, for those, those of you who haven't seen it, the, the main difference I would say is that the context is shifted historically so that it's in um fascist Italy uh during Mussolini. So so a lot of the backdrop of the story is about that. Uh and you know so it's very very different than the Disney adaptation which is probably most people's point of reference. Uh but so and also I tried watching this with my kids and Same. they got <laughs> they got too creeped out by Pinocchio. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so is it, and I think I remember in one of the acceptance speeches for a precursor award, Guillermo del Toro said, this is a movie that's not for kids, but it's one that, one that you could watch and talk about with your children or something like that. He, he mm. was very specific in his wording about it. And I would agree, you know, my, my children are probably younger than maybe what he was thinking of, but, um, I think they, it, it definitely is dark, uh, in a lot of ways, but in a good way, in a beautiful way. Uh, and we also can't talk about Pinocchio unless we give a shout out to uh, Ewan McGregor as Dapper, uh, <laughs> the Dapper, the Dapper Cricket, uh, mm. who's who's writing his memoirs, uh, which was one of my favorite parts. Uh, Absolutely, a good frame narrative. Um, I watched this with my son when we were on COVID quarantine because it came out the Friday we were locked in a bedroom, the two of us living for a week. Um, and he had much the same reaction as your kids. It, he watched it all the way through, but he was like, I don't think this is, was, you know, something I should have seen. And he's not entirely wrong. So absolutely shout out to you and you and had a great year last year and capped it off with a nice voice performance. Um, you know, again, wouldn't be upset about Pinocchio winning. I really struggled with my should win. I almost went for turning red. I think that movie got overlooked, uh, partially because Disney put it on Disney Plus instead of in theaters. It absolutely deserved a, a theatrical release. And it's such a wonderful kind of story of puberty disguised as something kind of fun and cute and kid friendly. Um, the fact that neither of its songs, I don't believe, are in best original song is a crime. They did some amazing 90s boy band songs. Um, and you know, this director, um, Domi Shi was, uh, the writer of, uh, uh, I've already forgotten the name of it, the short, uh, Bao. Uh, oh, yeah. yep. from a few years ago and kind of that was her calling card and got this chance and it's such a wonderful movie and it you know is real in a way that 
kids respect and that makes, you know, the anti-woke crowd angry, but it's, it's really good. And, um, you know, is a really good mother daughter story. Some part of me thinks if everything everywhere wasn't dominating, the fact that this is such a strong mother daughter immigrant story would really be getting uh, more attention. Uh, but I went with Marcel the shell with shoes on, uh, for my, uh, should win. Of course win. you did. Uh, I loved this. Um, you know, it is so twee and so adorable, but it totally worked for me. I think, um, the Marcel character, I, I actually kind of missed the boat on the Marcel internet videos. I'd seen a couple of them, but had never kind of obsessed over them as others did. Um, so I went into this film. I saw it in the theater and uh, back in, gosh, August, I think it came out and I, um, I, you know, I, I didn't expect too much and, uh, you know, not to get too personal, but I had, um, an aunt at the time who was, uh, passing away. It was, you know, it was clear this was going to happen and we'd all kind of prepared ourselves. And so there's a death in the film and, uh, little Marcel sings this beautiful song and I'm just like, a sobbing mess in the theater I just like connecting it to my real life and connecting it to this but it's it's really beautiful it's it would be really interesting to watch this one with kids i'm not sure what they'd make of it there's nothing offensive in it but um you know the the narrative they wrap around all of this to kind of make the whole marcel experience uh work is is really wonderful and um the fact that isabella rossellini is in it is also just kind of incredible so uh definitely worth your time i'm gonna give it the the should win vote for mine no that's a really that's a really good pick I, I love honestly this is such a strong category for me i mean not just because i've actually seen all the nominees unlike some of the other categories we've talked about <laughs> but uh, that, that, that I love every single one of these movies that's on here. I've seen them multiple times and, you know, again, it's like you, cause we're both parents of small children. Like that's, that's definitely a factor here. Uh, with, to, to go to Marcel, I tried, I didn't sit my kids down with me specifically to watch this, but I had this on while they were around just to see mm. if it would catch their attention. And Marcel as a character definitely did, but it was like for a little, like, two or three minute spurts so mm. like they'd be playing and then they walk by and they'd be like what's the, that's a shell like what is what is, the, what is going on <laughs> um and then they and but the the story couldn't sustain them because i think it was too subdued you know what i mean like i think yeah. so i think maybe if they were a little older they'd be really into it um they definitely liked the animation style i think they that's what kind mm. of caught their attention visually um and honestly that's my favorite part of the movie is just all the little minute the production design on this is incredible with all the little miniatures that they make and it's so clever that it's like oh if a shell were alive and living in someone's airbnb right like this is what <laughs> it would look like it's so funny um yeah. but yeah I, I i yeah and is it jenny jenny slate is Yes. Voice yep. More, more, yeah. So yeah, the voice acting in it is just stellar as well. Um, well, and it, it is. Right. A, it does it, have kind of like a twee is a good way to put it. Like it does have yeah. a very specific <laughs> brand of, of humor. And if you're not into it from the jump, I feel like it's a hard part to stay with it. Well, and it, it's not Jenny Slate doing her kind of standard voice from SNL or Parks and Rec or um, even Everything Everywhere, which you know she was up on stage for the SAG Awards. It's like, oh right, she's a part <laughs> of that movie. Everyone forgot she was in that movie. <laughs> um, because it, it is kind of an affectation of voice she came up with that I think they developed the character in response. I think she uh, was dating the other uh, the co director or the co creator at the time, and they just kind of were goofing around one night, and she came up with the voice, and he built the character around that. So it's 
it's great. I love it uh, getting its recognition and she's done a few good interviews and if nothing else um, on Spotify, you can listen to Marcel sing and you should definitely do that because it's beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I want to give out a shout out to Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, uh, mm. because that movie just floored me in terms of, of I, I actually was not that into the Shrek franchise. Like I, I watched and enjoyed the movies. Uh, actually this, this Puss in Boots movie actually caused me to go back and watch the first Shrek. And I was like, Oh wait, I love, I love this way more than I remember. Um, mm. which maybe, I don't know, maybe my humor has evolved <laughs> since then or devolved. <laughs> uh, so, but, but I think this movie just was so sharp and kind of well structured and well edited. And Antonio Banderas is amazing as like, Puss in Boots going through a midlife crisis, um, and and I I just it very much is influenced by Into the Spider Verse, uh, in terms of its animation style because the the all of the action scenes are sort of this this kind of sped up splashier animation style uh, that's very much like a departure from the main story style. So, but I thought I thought I was like this movie has no business being this good. <laughs> it's, it's a way, especially for like a sequel. I don't even know what number this is in terms of the other Puss in Boots movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there have been a lot of Spider-Verse pretenders, and this is the closest to that spirit, yeah. certainly. I, I don't think it uh, met it, but it got it got pretty close, uh, like you're saying. Um, my son loved this movie. He said it was the best movie he's ever seen. Um, and he uh, then started watching the Netflix cartoon Puss in Boots. And it's so budget basement animation. It's like, oh, no. it's so terrible. So when you said that, what you said about Shrek, it's like, yeah, Shrek died under the weight of terrible sequels. And you forget like, oh, there was something to the original, right? Um, and I feel like the Puss in Boots brand, if it existed before this, had really suffered from that kind of oversaturation and just cheap product which DreamWorks seems to make a lot of money off of and seems to be part of how they're sustaining their model. But um, to actually see it return and get this really big screen treatment, uh, fantastic voice for performances. I just, I was telling my wife when we were watching it, if you pitched a movie where Florence Pugh was the adopted daughter of Olivia Coleman and um, uh, the guy who plays Mac in Indiana Jones, I'm forgetting his name, uh, he was the villain in, in, uh, Black Widow too. Uh, hopefully people remember his name. Um, but if you pitch that movie, it would be like Oscar bait for sure. And yeah, she's called Goldilocks and they're bears, but it's that storyline and it totally works. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So. Oh yeah, for sure. And I was like, Oh, we're getting like a tiny Guy Ritchie movie in this, yeah. <laughs> in this other movie. It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, highly recommend that. It's what, it, cause I think it was not on my radar until actually. Because it was came out right before the the semester started, and a bunch of my students during our first day of class icebreaker, which I usually ask like, "What did you watch over break?" Easily half of the students said "Puss in Boots: The Last Wish," and they're like, "No, no, no, it's really good." So I was like, "Oh, I guess I have to watch this." And they were right. Um, that actor's name is Ray Winstone, which I definitely oh, didn't Google go. while you were talking. <laughs> no, good, good. That's that's what you should have been doing. Uh, the my kids, if they were to choose from this list, they would choose the Sea Beast, though, mm. which I was super proud that I I predicted that as a nomination because that wasn't actually on a lot of people's lists. Uh, it was pretty far down, on, especially on Gold Derby, I think. Um, but it's just a really it's a really solid movie. The story's good. They enjoyed it. It wasn't too dark. It was just just enough. Uh, it had some high adventure. They love the giant crab. So if you have kids, I would rec definitely recommend that. That's on Netflix. 
the fact that Buzz Light or sorry, Lightyear came out in theaters this year and I think three of these movies really didn't is just disturbing. Oh, like what are we oh. what are we doing? Like, you know, Light Lightyear is not the most awful thing in the world, but it is nowhere near the quality of any of these five. And it's just so crazy how the market in animation is working, particularly right now. Maybe as streaming services are losing a bit of steam, we'll see the return of the theatrical animated movie because Puss in Boots was also a hit. Like it did big money at a time when families were were going to Avatar, but still, you know, with younger kids got out to Puss in Boots. My son would have seen it three or four times in the theater if I'd let him. He wanted to go nice. the next day, even after the <laughs> first time. I did not allow it. <laughs> That's amazing. Selma Hayek, also amazing in that movie. I really yes. <laughs> and like, yeah, the chemistry she has with Antonio Banderas is great. Um, all right. So next up is animated short, which I think we, you know, well, we probably should have been doing this from the start, but I'll, I will read all the, the nominees just to kind of get us started and then I'll let you go. Uh, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. That's an Apple TV Plus viewing. Uh, the Flying Sailor, which I believe is the New Yorker. I yes. just watched all of these in the past like three days. So, <laughs> so that's why it's fresh where I watched them. Ice Merchants, which I feel like was also on the New Yorker site. Um, My Year of Dicks, uh, which Riz Ahmed cracked up during the nominations <laughs> announcement. That was by far the favorite part, my favorite part of that, where he just like, he just snickered. <laughs> <laughs> in a very juvenile way. Um, and then an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it, which I feel like Riz Ahmed also was tickled by because I think mm. he had to read those two probably back to back. Um, but yeah, so what's your what's your take on this category? It's a really fascinating ca- uh, category this year. And you're right, the New Yorker had a huge run in the shorts. I think they had one in each category plus the two here, like you noted, um, which also just makes them all very accessible. Um, at least when I worked on the animated shorts, there was only one, the ostrich one wasn't available online. Has that changed? Did you watch it? It has. I managed or? to watch that. It was um, on Vimeo. Yeah, I think I think sometimes the creators just want them to be seen. So they finally just release them on a platform they can control like that. Um, it's a really weird category. So um in these, it's hard to define a will win because there's not as much talk and buzz around these in a lot of cases. Um, but I will say I, I did listen to uh the Vanity Fair Little Gold Men uh kind of overview of these today, so I can throw in what they said would win. Um so their will win for this category was my year of dicks. Uh and one of the critics pointed out if all else fails, go with the funniest name because that's what the voters will have stuck in their head when the time comes. Uh but uh my year of dicks, uh I I believe the the creator uh Sarah Gunnar's Dotier uh will apologize for the pronunciation of that. Um I think she was a critic on Television Without Pity, which was one of those websites that had this huge effect on the kind of critic class back when it was a popular. I know whenever you talk about West Wing, that's always part of the conversation because mm-hmm. it was so important in that era. Um uh and so she's well liked and well respected and and they just all thought this was good. And and My Year of Dicks is good. It's funny. Uh they rightfully pointed out there are uh, there's no visible penis in My Year of Dicks, but there is one in The Flying Sailor because The Flying yes. Sailor is is nude flying through the air. Uh my will win, I think the safe money is on the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Um, this was on Apple TV and kind of pushed in their big uh kind of 
you know, the thing that plays whenever you leave your Apple TV on too long, um, over Christmas break. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of people put that on. I think it's connected to a children's book, uh, that's very popular and it has, a uh, some splashy, um, uh, celebrity voices, Idris Elba, I believe is in it and, and some others. So, um, you know, Vanity Fair rightfully pointed out it's kind of just thin and silly, um, in so many ways, but, um, you know, it's got that kind of hallmark travel mug wisdom. It's very that saccharine. Thinks, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's just going to make the older Academy members go for it. So that's probably my will win. My choice for should win is an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Um, it is absolutely the most, uh, bizarre on this list and it is, um, a very meta story essentially about a stop motion animated doll that realizes that he's a stop animated animation, uh, doll. And, um, you, I started watching it online and I actually thought for a moment that I had gotten some weird behind the scenes video of it instead of the real thing. Me uh, too. but it, that, that's part of the gimmick. And, um, it ends, I don't want to spoil it cause it is a short watch and people can just Google it, but, um, it's, really fun and if you like that kind of meta humor it felt very community to me or uh maybe rick and morty in a kind of not gross out way um so that was my favorite of the five the the titular ostrich in this cracked me up i was just like, <laughs> this, is like this is amazing and then i was i was actually sad that he wasn't in the whole thing i was mm. like let's i want more of this ostrich like he seems cool uh but yeah i think for me this was like the matrix crossed with wallace and gromit crossed mm. with the office yeah yeah kind of like that's the vibe that it, that it gave. <laughs> i like um, how i'm nodding i'm like yeah that's perfect you're spot on good job and everybody listening is going to be like what like yes. how do you and now what you have is, to watch yeah. it everybody yeah. <laughs> it was yeah it's it's uh, to me it didn't it it's not quite my my should win though it was uh because i picked something art, a little artsier but like but it was it was almost there. I was like, oh, this, this is making me happy in a way that I did not expect. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I am also going with the bull, the boy, the, the bull, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse as my will win for basically mostly the same reason you said. I think this was before I knew we, I'd have to prepare for this episode. This was the one I had just already seen because of what you just described where like it was, it was like over Christmas vacation with my kids. I was like looking for something that was not just like Paw Patrol for them to watch. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what might could they get into? And I, and this just popped up on Apple TV and, and I was like, Oh, great. And it looks the animation style and the fact that it's about a mole, a fox and a horse. Like I was like, I'm in. I was like, this, sound, this seems like it's going to be great. This seems like it's just for me. It had kind of like the snowman vibes. If you remember that, that classic animated like Christmas, Christmas, uh, special or movie, um, or I guess it's a short maybe. Uh, and, and, but then when we started watching it, my kids actually lasted a long time. They got maybe through halfway through before they got distracted by something else. But I was just like, what is this even about? I don't yeah. even, like, like <laughs> it's literally just these four characters in the title just sort of wandering around together spewing aphorisms at each other uh, about being kind and like you know which in theory is like nice but like it it's, it doesn't actually go i feel like it doesn't really go anywhere um mm. and and so for that reason it's definitely i think it's, that's my least favorite out of the, the all the nominees um my should win i ended up actually going with my year of dicks uh because <laughs> 
And I, I never would have guessed that just by looking at this list. Uh, and, and so to me, it was the mixed media aspect of it. I mm. thought was really cool and worked and actually like, like supported the story in a really nice way. Um, that it kind of like, it, it's divided up into these little, the, these different chapters or parts. Uh, and each one is kind of like playing around with a different animation style, but then there's also live action in between. So it's, it's like a really interesting mixture of different mediums and genres, um, in a way that I really liked. And then, I'm, I ended up picking it because it really turned me around on it because in the first 30 seconds, I was like, Oh, like this is, <laughs> this is a lot of angsty teenagers, you know, exploring their sexuality. Like, I don't know if I could deal with this right now. <laughs> uh, and then it really won me over because the character development, uh, and the writing is just really, really, really good. Uh, and I feel like it, it was the best version of that type of story that I've seen. Uh, there was actually a, a film at Sundance last year. Um, oh, I'm not going to remember who the famous comedian is that wrote it. Um, it's, it's the, the creator of girls, the HBO. Lena Dunham. Yes. Thank you. So she made a film uh, that had a very similar premise that I hated mm. uh, because it was just like, it was trying too hard to be salacious and kind of like bold and sex positive in a way that like didn't ended up kind of like undermining what the story it was trying to sell. Whereas this, I thought felt like so much more genuine than that. I'm like, Oh, this is what that other movie was trying to do. <laughs> it's just doing it well. Uh, and in a shorter, much shorter amount of time. Um, so yeah, so that actually would be my pick, but I, I really like, yeah, the ostrich told me the world is fake is a, is a close, a close um, second probably. And I also really liked ice merchants. Though mm. it was too sad for me to actually like, I, I'm probably never going to watch it again because it was very sad, but it was very well done. Um, and Flying Sailor, I, I, it was fine. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no problem with it, but what Little Gold Men taught me about, and I share this with you as another person from the Boston area, um, the incident in Flying Sailor, it's a large explosion of a uh, cargo ship in a harbor, which happened in Halifax. Um, and Halifax was leveled, and this sailor is flying through the air after the explosion, and it's, there you go, Flying Sailor. Um, what I didn't know is Boston sent a boat full of nurses. They were the first city to respond when word came that Halifax had been devastated. And that's why every year, Halifax sends us a Christmas tree to this day, uh, is to say thank you for the boat full of nurses that went up to there. So, uh, thank you to Little Gold Men for, for teaching me that. But yeah, uh, both Flying Sailor and Ice Merchants, they were really creative in terms of visuals, but just didn't ultimately stick with me. Um, and I'd be very happy if either my year of dicks or an ostrich pulled it out over the boy the mole the fox and the horse yeah in terms of the race i feel like most critic uh, most pundits are choosing the boy the mole with ice merchants because i think uh ann thompson of uh indiewire might be predicting ice merchants or just saying like to watch out for ice merchants it did win one of the annie awards mm. um for like i think the it was competing in a different category than the bull, the boy, keep saying the bull, the boy, the ball, <laughs> the fox, and the horse. And so it's like they haven't gone, I think they haven't gone, like, like they each won a different, different mm. Annie award. And so it's like kind of like that's why those two, I think, are the, to some people are the front runner. But yeah, my, my year of dicks also for the title. Um, but I think also because I feel like, I feel like a couple of people had solid arguments for why this one should, oh, it's, um, 
someone who's someone who's one like a producer or something like that is the mm. is would attract people potentially um but yeah and that and that like so it's it to me the, a lot of the conversation about predicting this category was around are they going to go for the the sort of more kind of the like the quirkier artsier pick or are they going to go for the more for lack of a better word sort of corporate like crowd pleaser sort of like broader appeal um short so yeah well and just to make obvious what you just said so often it just takes one famous name and i think we're going to probably talk about that in a couple of these to come where one famous name that people can say oh i'll vote for my friend and um we are i don't get to participate in for leslie discourse but uh it seems that the kind of way that nomination happened um, also was used on some short films last year uh, in a related category. So, um, yeah. So I think if if you're well-connected, that can really help you in this category because I don't think it takes all that many votes to really get ahead of the rest. No, that's fair. For sure. All right. So next up we have live are we doing live action short? I think that's you said documentary thing. after. Oh, this. documentary. Thank you. I switched. I switched them, but I think my <laughs> notes. My notes have not updated from when I was like texting you earlier when we were planning no this problem. on my phone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, documentary short. Yes. So uh, the nominees are the Elephant Whispers, which is on Netflix. Haul Out, which I watched on the New Yorker. New Yorker. Uh, yep. How do you measure a year? Which I actually could not watch. I think that's the one on here that's not available. Uh, I managed to watch, find a trailer where I'm like, oh, I think I understand what this is about uh, pretty easily. <laughs> uh, the Martha Mitchell effect, which is also on Netflix, and Stranger at the Gate, which is from the New Yorker. Oh so yeah, so New York. What do you got? So many. Uh, my will win. I, so Little Gold Men went for Haul Out. Um, and I think I'm guessing we're going to talk about Haul Out probably. Uh, so I, I actually, before I heard that, my will win, I went with Stranger at the Gate. It just seemed like the kind of political film that the Academy would go for. It's kind of the, uh, I don't know. Calling it the Green Book is is not nice. It's it's almost like the uh, the help of of uh, a different political issue. So the story is essentially a man who hated uh, Muslims in America and uh, infiltrated their community uh, with the intent to learn how it was all set up and then uh, commit a mass shooting. But essentially was welcomed with open arms and ended up loving the people. And it, you know, he eventually his plot was discovered and he, well, now I'm spoiling the end of it and he was arrested. These are real life events people probably have heard of, hence documentary. Um, and so it's about basically how he at that point wasn't going to do it or wouldn't have done it, but, um, you know, about kind of what that means. And so I think that's kind of really alluring in this kind of divided moment of left, right, uh, you know, uh, hatred, bigotry, all of those things. I think that's uh, going to really pull people in. So I, I'm going to stick with that for my will win, even though I don't think many people are saying that necessarily. And who's the famous name attached to this? Uh, I believe this is the Malala one, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I was like, oh <laughs> no, no that... is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was, I was setting that up so you could, you could cash in on it. Uh, So yeah, I think what's interesting is that as usual, because I, I listen to lots of different Oscars pot predicting podcasts. Uh, I haven't, a lot of them are just coming out today. And so I feel like I haven't really got people's final pred- predictions yet, but I feel like the conversation 
on the shorts often is very varied because no one knows what's going on because it's like how many of these have people actually seen right are they going to vote based on the name or on the the famous people attached to them or are they actually going to bit watch like watch them and and vote that way um and so i think stranger at the gate because it's it has malala behind it is the is the major candidate that people are like pointing to to be like oh this is like the endorsement that people can if they haven't watched any of these they'll see Moala's name attached to it and say like, check. Right. But I also agree with you that it it has kind of like the, the short itself has a wholesome sort of feel good element to it where it's like, if only we could just all be nice to each other, the whole, we wouldn't (laughs) have any of the pro any problems in the world. And I feel like at this moment in time, a lot of people are going to find, like find that appealing. I think Um, I actually thought that that's what made me kind of like bulk and enjoying this. I was just like, wait a minute. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you go on, if you go on Letterboxd and look this up, it's like a ton of one star reviews and everyone's like, are you kidding? We're supposed to feel bad for this guy. <laughs> so there's like definitely like, it's definitely a polarizing uh, film in, in terms of how you view the characters, but it's very um, interview heavy. So it kind of goes back and forth between his family and him. And then the members of the, the, the Muslim community that he, that, that, um, as you said, welcomed him with open arms and kind of incorporated them into, into their community um so yeah so but i think so some people are saying that's definitely the front runner other people are saying the elephant whispers is definitely the front runner uh because Mm -hmm. it's a similarly feel good nice story about animals um i think people are still kind of scarred from my octopus teacher winning documentary (laughs) teacher i think was that last year uh two years ago i think but yeah years ago okay um because everyone was like you know, this is not even that good, but because it's like a nice story about a, this guy and an octopus, like that people are into it. So I think this has a, so I, I'd say Elephant Whispers is definitely better. Like I think, I don't, I wouldn't say that it doesn't deserve to be here or anything like that, but it, it does have that kind of like, it's a nice, it's a nice story. Um, but, and doesn't have necessarily the sort of like the political baggage that Stranger at the Gate might for people. So, uh, I, that's, I think that might be, that's my will win at this point. Um, mm. though i have in parentheses stranger at the gate question mark because like and i easily <laughs> could flip flip flop back and forth um but i think in all, most of the oscars podcasts i've listened to those are the two kind of in contention um so it's interesting to hear that haul out is also in the running for some people um yeah so haul out well before we leave the subject i would say i put elephant whispers for my should win uh i thought it was really well shot i thought it was a like you're saying a nice small story actually most of these this year are uplifting which is very rarely the case uh even for documentary short um so that's nice um in in that regard um so i think elephant whispers um just was really nice and and uh, you know i i think when we're in this moment where we're kind of all environmental conscious or probably not enough, but should be more environmentally conscious that uh, I thought that one worked really well for me. But I, I will say I wouldn't be upset if it was haul out, which I think also has that same kind of thematic resonance. Um, it has just co- kind of a couple jaw dropper moments that are really cool. Is that your should win? That was my guess. It is. It is. All right. Yeah. So you <laughs> talk about that. it. Uh, <laughs> that one, this, this one got me, uh, it just because because it was really fun at first, mm. and I and we can't spoil it. No, so it's gonna be hard to talk about. Uh, without watch it, pause us, go watch it. It takes fifteen minutes, I think, and then you can come back if and you want. Come back, okay. But don't so still don't spoil it. Probably, nah. Don't, okay, okay. Don't I'll worry, try my best. Yeah. I'll try my best. So it 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 is about this 
uh, researcher in the Arctic who is monitoring, and I won't say which animal, is monitoring a species of animal. Uh, and it's just, it's just at the first half of it is just really surprising and fun in a way that just cracked me up. I was like, this is amazing. And there's so many like <laughs> amazing shots in it. Footage that like, even from like someone who has watched a lot of nature documentaries, I feel like would be mind blowing still. Um, yeah. And, but then it just, then very subtly and kind of without being really heavy handed, it has this really uh, environmental, environmentally conscious message and, and becomes very kind of like bleak and depressing uh towards the end and i watched this with my kids actually and they were into it because they love animals and so they were like oh this is so cool like and and then but then my 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 oldest who's six she sort of figured out like something clicked for her and she started asking a bunch of questions about like well why are they doing this or why is and i was just like uh and so to me that's the genius of this movie is that it draws you in but then leaves you with this really sort of like like heavy question about like uh, about climate change and the environment and um and so yeah so that's that's definitely my pick um <laughs> for should win that was by by far my favorite out of all these although i really enjoyed the I'm, I'm a sucker for animals i really enjoyed the elephant whisperers uh as well but it, and it was very very uh personal i felt like it was more intimate than a lot of these other mm. ones because it's following these people who take care of these elephants and they treat them and talk about them as if they're their children uh and and i think that's it's just it has like a sweetness to it that's really uh, that's really nice to watch. Yeah, and, and I'll just add uh, to close out the category. Martha Mitchell effect is a really fun watch. Um, it's uh, you know it also has some resonance to the current moment. Um, it definitely is something that should become like a vehicle for some lead actress to go for um, you know best actress in a, in the years to come because it's a story worth fleshing out. Something I didn't know about, even though I'm a politics junkie. So it was, it was certainly really fun. Uh, and then I'll just say, how do you measure a year is trash and should not be a year. Um, I'm often not that hard. No, it should be a TikTok video. Um, it is a man asking the trailer looked like. Yeah. It's a man asking his daughter the same questions on her birthday every year from when she's three or, uh, up through 16 on the discord for Oscar death race. Uh, a commenter whose name I don't have at hand, uh, said that the most exciting part for them was waiting for the family to buy a new couch. Cause it's the same couch that the little girl is sitting on year after right. year. And like, she starts to be a preteen. You're like, yeah, that, that is an old couch. Like they got to replace that. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of sweet. It's kind of interesting. I don't know who Jay Rosenblatt, you know, paid off to get it nominated. Cause it's just, it's not on level with these. Um, it's, it's something I mean, from like a but, filmmaking perspective. Yeah. And if, if it's something I could do in my own house, I don't think it belongs in the Oscar race. So yeah, to uh, me, it seemed like, it seemed like a boyhood, the TikTok video. Yeah. Right. And and it's just not compelling. I mean, if there's a theme to it, it's that we're mortal and time passes and uh, yeah, that's true. But we all know that every day looking at our Facebook memories, we don't need this guy's Facebook memories. Also, it's impossible Uh, to Google because you only get rent results. So, Oh, (laughs) that's true. That actually did happen to me. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah. And and my last comment for Martha Mitchell, because I haven't said anything about that yet. Uh, It, I agree that was really fun. And I didn't really know much about it the story and so it was really i was really interested in it but it is to me at the end of the day like a very classic well done but very classic hit like 
little known figure in history documentary. Um, what to me in terms of make as a documentary, it wasn't really doing anything particularly new or innovative, but sometimes it doesn't need to, like, it was just a really good version of that type of documentary. Um, the like, oh, you never knew about this person in history and it like related to a major historical event. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So our next up is live action short. And I'm going to be honest, Craig, I haven't seen a single one of, oh, wait, I no, gonna... I, I watched the first 10 minutes of Le Pupil. <laughs> this is the hardest of all the categories we're talking about tonight in terms of tracking these down. Um, and, and I only saw these because I went to the theater showcase and one evening sat and for two hours and enjoyed all these. Um, thank you to my mother-in-law for babysitting. Well, I, so I could do that. Um, so the nominees are An Irish Goodbye, Eva Lou, Le Pupil. I'm not even going to pretend I got that language correct. Uh, Night Ride and the red suitcase. Um, this is a really weird set of movies, uh, to watch as a group. I will just say, uh, off the bat, um, cause they're totally very, very different. So, um, you know, anticipating that listeners will not have seen these and that you haven't seen these, I can kind of do a brief synopsis of a few of them. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll actually take them in the order they appeared in, in the showcase, which is not the order listed here. Uh, Evalu was first. It's a story about two sisters. Um, and one one sister, Evalu, is missing. Uh, real standout aspects of this is, are that it's shot in Greenland and it deals with, I believe, the indigenous population of Greenland. So that's really kind of a fascinating slice of the world to see. Um, and it feels kind of fun at first and then it is uh, the darkest of these five by the end of it. Um, and it was kind of upsetting in certain ways. So I uh, kind of was a, almost a bait and switch that way, but um, really beautiful. I mean, the classic live action short thing is that they all are just trying to get features and any of these directors could aptly do a feature. Uh, second on the night uh, was Night Ride, which uh, I believe is Belgian. Uh, it's not listed here. Uh, it's or maybe it's Finnish or Norwegian. I'll let you Google that. Um, but, uh, it's a story about a, a woman who accidentally commandeers a trolley and, uh, eventually has to intervene in a trans woman getting harassed by a couple brutes. So similarly, it's, it's kind of full of whimsy and it gets kind of dark, but then, uh, comes out of it, uh, more on the whimsy side of the case. Le Norway, thank you. Uh, Le Pupil is, uh, a really quirky short about little girls living in an orphanage. Um, the big name draw to this one is Alfonso Cuaron, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers by far. Uh, but he is a producer on this, uh, and it's a new director, but he has really loaned his prestige. This is the one you can watch at home. It's on Disney Plus. I have no idea why Disney decided to help pay for this. It's branded up as Disney presents and all that, which is, is unusual for a yeah, short. This is a Disney uh, original. Yeah, and then it says it, like the and has the logo for the Cannes Film Festival, and I'm just like, what is happening right now? Yeah, it's very strange, and and the film itself, um, ultimately didn't work for me, but I I see that if it if you have a kind of quirky sensibility, it felt like um tonally it felt like Amelie something like that that is kind of quirky for quirky's sake um and i i can get in that mood. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan who hits that register sometimes, uh. The Red Suitcase uh, is a very tense thriller about a uh, woman who uh, arrives at an airport 
having been sent there to uh, be the arranged bride of uh, a man she's never met. And uh, basically her decision to not go through with it and to try to escape the airport while he's waiting for her. Um, And then the final one of the night was An Irish Goodbye, which is the story of two brothers, one with Down syndrome, and they're reacting to the death of their mother. Um, And uh, they discover the mother's bucket list and decide before selling the family farm, they're going to do her bucket list together. And so uh, that one gets my vote for Will Win. I think it's the right kind of charming. That's just a crowd pleaser. And, you know, it's well acted and it's got that right mix of whimsy and pathos that I think most of the Academy will go for that. Little Gold Men picked Le Pupil uh, on the strength of Alfonso Coron and just how well made and how well shot it is. Um, and it it is fun in some ways. I, I just, it really didn't work for me. So I was shocked when they said that was their pick. Uh, and my should win is going to be the Red Suitcase because I have not felt that kind of tense uh suspense atmosphere in a long time and like my heart was racing and you know it was really at any moment you could pause it and i wouldn't have guessed where it was about to go at all so i thought that one was really uh well done and and you know there's often a kind of suspense one in there there's one a couple years ago about a a 911 operator and uh receiving a call mm-hmm. from a woman um kind of faking a conversation to to get out of a domestic abuse situation. And this has a kind of a similar edge to it. It's like tied to a political issue of the day, but really just makes you incredibly sympathetic for this woman in a very short amount of time. So that that's my pick for should win. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't heard it in the discussion at the top of the pack. Maybe you have. Yeah. So most critics that I've listened to or read are saying Le Pupil. That might just be because of the Alfonso Coron connection um, mm. that they're assuming, oh, people recognize his name and then check it off. Uh, the other contender that a lot of people have flagged is an Irish goodbye. Um, mm. That it, it, that's the one. And I think I can't remember which podcast it was. It was maybe awards watch, which is when I watched, I listened to a lot. Um, or it could, it might've been next best picture, but cause they have a lot of crossover with guests. Uh, but I think somebody said, it has been a really good year for Irish film <laughs> considering <laughs> Banshees. And so maybe people will just like, you know, but, but I feel like even that probably doesn't really hold now because Banshees is sort of falling by the wayside in terms of other, mm. uh, it's other nominations. So um yeah, so that, those are the two contenders that I've heard. I, nobody likes Night Ride uh, from what I've listened to or people are like not, not very uh, keen on that one. Uh, it, but yeah, it's gotten a lot of like uh, eh, fine. Right. Yeah, it's okay. not really like it's offensively bad. It's just like, okay, that's a thing. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not going to weigh in on, on, on should win. Cause I didn't even get to watch trailers. For, for these. I just, <laughs> I really did start. I tried to cram in Le Pupil and did not get very far because Disney also defaulted to uh, dubbing English mm, dubbing and it's yeah. in Italian. And it, I, that really threw me and I, it to the point where like, I was like, I got to figure out how to switch this over, which I could, I figured out. Cause at first I was like, okay, let me, cause they give you a bunch of options for subtitles and for uh, audio. Uh, and so I had to go look up what the original language was and I'm like, okay, it's an Italian. Let me switch it to that. Oh yeah, this is so much better. But then, and then I couldn't finish it. So uh, I think if you are watching on Disney plus, and I know that their, their rationale for doing that probably is that more people are going to watch it if they don't have to read subtitles, which is really sad, but it actually to me is more distracting if you're watching mm. the mouth, not in sync 
And this one, it's like very yeah. noticeable um, for whatever reason. So, so that would be my recommendation is if you're going to watch that one on Disney Plus, make sure you switch it over to the subtitles the, and the Italian audio. Um, but yeah. Well, maybe I'll close the discussion of the shorts from my end and just saying, I think we're seeing the power of the streaming services in these. And I yeah. also think like, get on this. Like if you're Netflix or like these have to be cheap to license and, and get out there. I think these creators will want them on a service like this. You know, Netflix has had the most success and has had the biggest share. But I think, you know, if, if the streaming services are still interested in kind of racking up Oscar totals. I think this is an easy place to just get a bunch of them. Um, eventually, I, I actually didn't check if this has happened yet, but the Shorts TV is the organization that puts them out in theaters. And they do eventually put them on like iTunes and other digital platforms that you can buy, you know, a, a, or rent at least the bundle together. Um, and it's certainly fun. Uh, you know, the first year of the pandemic, my wife and I did it together in a virtual screening room for one of the art house theaters near here. And the two of us just sat and we watched them all together and we kind of voted as we win. And it, it was a really good time. So if people have the chance to do that, it's, it's, it's fun. I tried to drag our mutual friend Ben with me this year and he uh, ended up canceling on me, but I'm determined to, to take a friend and, you know, keep an active scorecard going on shorts night. Cause it's a lot of fun to see them all. Yeah. It's something I've always wanted to do in a theater. I usually end up, you know, trying to cram them all in by watching them online as I did this year. And I think that, I really do. I am, I am on, like, I really enjoyed watching them, even though it was mm. kind of hurried to, and cramming for this. I really did enjoy the ones that I watched and thought it was, it was a great experience. And so I will probably try to put links if to where you can watch a lot of these online in, in our um, text version uh, of this conversation, our, our short takes and long takes. Uh, so folks can have even less excuse, <laughs> literally <laughs> clicking on the long, t- a link in the long take, and then you'll be able to watch these. All right. So we're finally here. We've gone through the shorts. <laughs> we're now at original score, which actually is probably, I would say, the most contentious of all the categories we're talking about today. Mm. Um, and that, that's mostly because a lot of the shorts, people are like, eh? Like they they kind of yeah. are just like, it could be anything. Like the shorts often surprise even the best Oscar predictors uh, with with who wins. So, But score, I feel like, is like has a lot of hemming and hawing attached to it in terms of who who will win. So we've got... All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. So what what's your what's your will win? What are you predicting for this one? Uh I can't even say it out loud without first saying shout out to John Williams. I mean, he's the master and he has more nominations than anybody, um, which is just a stunning achievement. You and I saw him premiere a piece uh this year or last year now at this point. Um, we saw him at Star Wars Celebration premiere the Kenobi uh theme. Um, and it's just a magical once in a lifetime pinch me moment from my year last year. And so I can't vote for Fablemans either for should win or, or will win um but i do just want to you know i think that's where hollywood is like he's been honored enough we love him he's a treasure we're sorry he's 90 and will eventually pass from this earth but um i think he's been honored enough in his lifetime so um i'm i i have a i i ended up going for the same film for will win and should win and that is Babylon. Um, this score completely blew me away. Um, he, uh, Justin Hurwitz, uh, who really only scores Damien Chazelle's movies. I think they're college buddies and they just have stuck together, um, through Whiplash and La La Land and 
first man. Uh, he did win for La La Land, so this is not recognizing a new talent. Um, but this Babylon score has been the constant um, soundtrack in my office since it came to streaming. Um, it is a flawed movie, but you know, I think you talked so well with Antonio about the kind of wish to spread the love. This is where Babylon should and will get it. Like this is, this is the one that Babylon should get. Um, if you're going to recognize one thing, the script's not quite there. The acting deserves a little bit more attention than it got, but isn't top tier acting. Uh, but the music is absolutely top tier. And, um, just today, uh, I didn't mean to prep in this way, but I was in my car a lot going back and forth to work. And, uh, uh, Justin Hurwitz was on the Empire podcast and the next best, uh, picture podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly on Next Best Picture, it's just a longer interview. So they go much more in depth about some of the stuff they did. And it's absolutely uh, a fascinating listen as somebody who loves music but rarely understands it. Um, He went on for a long time talking about how, you know, the things that you put inside shoes so that they um, don't shrink, like you put inside your nice leather shoes. Like a shoehorn? Yeah, but he was saying that's called a shoe tree. I didn't believe him. Uh, I've never heard it called a shoe tree. Not a shoe horn. The horn is what you put on your shoe with, right? Uh, oh, now I don't know. So, so I think what it is when I say here, when I say shoe horn, apologies, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) We have to settle this. Yeah. the the shoe horn i think of as sort of the the thing that's shaped like the shoe that comes with the shoe to keep it from caving in yes, that's hollow that like thing. that's like hollow but i think a shoe tree is uh almost like a like a mannequin's foot but made of wood mm, okay that you that you yeah so it's like i to me they serve the same purpose just one's like a nicer sort of like more substantial version of the other but but so, i imagine the wooden one maybe it would be good as like a musical instrument type thing. exactly and they were okay. even to amplify the percussion they were taking those and banging it on wooden crates to amplify oh. the percussion to make it sound that much more propulsive so um whether you enjoy babylon or not i think you have to love the music i constantly hum the themes from this movie so um it is very much uh i agree with you this is not a done deal but i'm in my heart pretending it's a done deal and giving it to uh babylon ah yeah i almost wanted to do that i didn't i ended up going with all quiet on the western front um but i'm not i'm not happy about it like i I, i'm i don't it doesn't and to (laughs) me it's like because i have to figure out like you said what's what is babylon taking home in the overall equation right um i feel like it has good chances here it has good chances in production design Yep. Uh, spoiler. Sorry, PT. Uh, to spoil our conversation <laughs> on that. Um, but but it, I don't. I feel like it's very because people. The Academy seems to really not like this movie. It didn't make it into the Best Picture, right? It actually doesn't have very many nominations. Um, and I think that because of that, I don't really feel comfortable having it win mm. too. And so, like, I'm going to go back and forth about, like, which one it is and then, like, do a trickle effect of, like, well, how is that affecting all my other predictions and try to try to work it out that way. But right now I have All Quiet on the Western Front because one is that it just seems to have a lot of momentum, uh, especially post-BAFTA where it won so many awards, won Best Film. And there's just a lot of kind of, like, other than everywhere, everything everywhere, this is the next sort of, like, groundswell of support. Like, people are are surprised with how well it's doing and i think 
the score. I was listening to Next Best Picture yesterday, and Dan Bear hilariously said that it was a it was Hans Zimmer light, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought I'm like yes, that's, that's a yeah. perfect way to describe yeah. it because <laughs> it has the very memorable blah blah like it's got a it's yeah. got a refrain that's very kind of Hans Zimmer Christopher Nolan movie type 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 of a thing um, that people are going to really associate with the movie. And that, it, but then the counter argument was that All Quiet's score actually is not very typical for the type of score that usually wins here historically. And so people are kind of going back and forth about that. But I feel like if it is going to sneak sneak in somewhere that people aren't predicting, this is a good candidate. Um, and I think that like the it has a Best Picture nomination, Babylon doesn't. And so, mm-hmm. like, if you're to- usually when you're when I'm torn, that's kind of what's going to push me over the edge for one over the other. Um, but I absolutely agree with you that Babylon should win. I think it's it's listening to just the scores and not even not watching the movie. This one stands out as something that I would just listen to all the time. Uh, and I might be biased because I I am a sucker for anything that's even remotely old timey or jazzy. <laughs> and this is both, but then also mm. like really weird in a lot of places musically. Um, and it's just it's just musically very interesting, uh, and complicated and and but but also like it's all it's like the flashier I feel like score too musically. So so yeah, I I this would definitely be my my should win. I think it absolutely sets the tone for the movie in a way that it, it that works. Um, and yeah, I would just listen to it on its own without, uh, and I haven't even finished watching Babylon, <laughs> well, uh, which I can't believe I just admitted. Um, <laughs> but I would listen to the score all day. <laughs> yeah. Bab- Babylon, um, like other films, should have hit streaming like a month ago. And it just got there a week, a week and a half ago. And it's doing well, I think, for Paramount Plus, which is a streaming service that is way down the list of what people have, but um, it really should have gotten in front of more eyes and might have had a chance at at more awards. How bizarre that poor Margot Robbie starred in what should have been two big awards movies this year, big swings from well known directors, and neither one really completely worked. But yeah. I, you know, I am not Sean Fennessy of uh, Big Picture, but I do think Babylon deserves a lot more credit than it gets. It is it is a flawed film, but um, I really, really enjoyed it and look forward to watching it again. Although, to be honest, I haven't. I've had a week and a half since it's been on streaming and I haven't gotten to it again. So all that's in the mix. <laughs> You're not in the Babylon Hive. That's that's no. the Sean Penny's fantasy has the Babylon <laughs> Hive over there. And actually a lot of folks at Next Best Picture are really rooted like rooting for Babylon because they really wanted to be in in best the best picture category and it didn't make it and uh so there's a lot of defenders for the film. I I can't weigh in and out cuz I haven't finished it yet. And it's not because I didn't like it or something like that. It is just a lot. It's a and and where I can watch it because of the nature of the content, especially that first half hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's fairly limited and I think I've made it past that point. I've made it through all all the cocaine and the bodily fluids. The um, orgies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm like, "Oh, this is eyes wide shut but gross." <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> um but 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 I'm invested so far I'm invested in the the story it's trying to seems to be trying to tell about Hollywood so far. So I I'm I'm on the hook. And so we'll see how it pans out. I can't I can't say like how I feel about it just yet, but but mm. the score <laughs> I've, before I watched the movie, I was listening to the score because I I usually try to a nice uh music to work by for me is is orchestral music, instrumental music, movie scores. Uh, I think that's actually was in my Spotify. Uh, Top unwrapped. 
Yeah. Yes, unwrapped. Thank you. I was like, I yeah. can't think of the the branded name. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, so it's like movie. It was like, oh, we recommend movie scores. And John Williams was like my my top composer. So I am kind of sad that like there isn't actually more support, or people aren't really people have counted him out. Um, mm. Because usually when he's up and nominated for anything, people are like, well, John Williams. Yeah. He could get I in mean- there. I liked the Fablemans a lot more than most people. Uh, that is actually one I went out and bought on Blu-ray. I've also yet to watch that a second time, but I was like, I want to own that one because it felt really good. And yet I, um, could not hum a bar of that score. The score is just not as present in it as, you know, something like the Babylon score is. Yeah. No, for sure. And like you said, he's got 53 nominations, <laughs> five wins, I think. So he's, obviously fine yeah but i think people were sort of i feel like we've been here before with like oh the the career pinnacle oscar Mm. for john williams but it's like he's just been nominated so many times and won so much already that i think we're just past that point um so we'll, we'll yeah but i think yeah i think to me it's down to those two there's there's the potential for something else to kind of oh yeah everything everywhere was the other one that people were talking about as a possible upset because if if everything everywhere has a sweep or or really is kind of like maxing out a lot of its wins that this could be something that gets swept up in that well an A24 was out with a splashy vinyl release in their store oh, right. last week or this week and then they had um if you follow their social media they had a pop-up bagel truck selling them and everything bagels uh somewhere in downtown LA today so it it's like why did i not you know, know about this <laughs> but those things work right i mean you put a bagel yeah. truck on the right corner and get the vinyl out there and get like you know if the right voters see a giant line of people in line just to get the vinyl record you know people might say oh let me give that another list so um and la is definitely a place where people just get in lines because they think they without knowing what it's for <laughs> for sure yeah well and, and similar to fablemans i I love everything everywhere, but I don't remember a lot of the score. Um, it's not, you know, a key part of that movie to me, but I think you're right. If it's having a massive giant night, which all indications are that it's just going to be an insane night for it, it, then it will pick it up easily. Yeah. So yeah, that one, that one has me slightly stressed out. I feel like, I just feel like I'm going to get it wrong no matter what I end up picking, but we'll see. All right. So we, we made it. We made Yay. it to all the categories we set out to do. That was great. Uh, I want to do open it up, though, just to give you an opportunity, since we are getting so close to the actual Oscars night. Are there any categories, like if you could pick a couple of categories to make either a, a bold prediction or that you just have mm. something you want to share? Some shout out for, for one of the other categories. Mm, uh, I mean, there's so many good movies this year. Again, it ends up being 54. And, and I know that number sounds intimidating to a lot of people, but if you knock out 15 shorts, which are only ever nominated in the shorts category, like that becomes much more doable. So I, I recommend it to people. Um, you know, I think if I had to kind of say a couple awards for the night, that would really mean a lot to me. I am 
you know, I love Kate Blanchett. I love Tar. I love her performance in Tar. But if if it's Michelle Yeoh, I'm gonna just be so happy. And it, and it feels like it might be trending that way. And and I'm really hopeful for that. I don't want to jinx it, but I'm hopeful for that. Um, I think because Ki Hui Kwan has been so uh, inevitable, we've forgotten how incredible that is going to be. And yeah. so I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And you know, I I I am a giant Star Wars fan, but I was an Indiana Jones fan before I was a Star Wars fan. So the think about short round you know having this story and getting this chance i'm really excited to see what he, scripts are getting past his way now because i'm sure he's getting a lot of offers i mean we know he's in loki next and and so on um i really i guess the last one i'll say is i think women talking as you and antonio pointed out got so done dirty by their studio and that really deserved a much bigger reception and i don't know why they delayed it i don't know why the release was so small after they delayed it um but i do think you know if it can only pull out annotated screenplay i really would root for that overall quiet i think that's very much up in the air but if I get to sprinkle my magic pixie dust, I would make sure that got something to take home. Um, and then, and that's more you know. likely now. Uh, so when I recorded with Antonio, a WGA hadn't been announced yet. And, uh, mm. and I believe USC scripter was that evening. So we, oh, and nice. I hadn't been announced yet either. And women talking went both. Nice. So I think now I'm actually switching my prediction, uh, to, to women talking for adapted screenplay which i never would have expected i was on the train of like everyone's <laughs> overestimating and just it's a presumptive winner and we haven't really thought about its campaign overall but now that it's actually winning stuff i'm changing my mind so nice. that's and hence why the original score are probably going to keep it all quiet because if i had originally predicted all quiet for adapted screenplay if i switched that to women talking then it's like oh i need to fill in some more all quiet somewhere else probably and so maybe that's what why I go with it for score. But we'll see. This um, is the complicated life I lead with my Oscars puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and maybe in that category, I'll also mention, I think the Daniels are probably going to get director at this point. But I'm still in Spielberg's corner. I think Spielberg has had a rough go. Last year, whatever happened with West Side Story, that was really well done. It was a movie nobody wanted, yet it was incredible. Like how, what he did with that. Um, and so I really want to see him get a late career win. This seems like the most likely one to say one more for you, grandpa, not to insult him. I mean, I think he is a grandpa, but, um, like one more for you for all you've done for this. And, you know, it, it, it would really warm my heart to get him, uh, to give another speech. I think especially now we'll see the Daniels again. They have got a long career ahead of them. Um, I recently realized that the Daniels graduated from Emerson College here in Boston in 2010, which means I was out of college and probably like behind them at the movie theater being like, those kids won't shut up. Like, and yet now they have the best picture nominated feature. So, uh, I'll deal with my own mortality, uh, in how do I measure a year, uh, part two. But, uh, for now I'll, I'll leave it there saying, you know, a Spielberg win would kind of warm my heart, even though that's not a perfect film. For sure. And then uh, to me, I'm really surprised the narrative for him for this film seemed so perfect at the start, mm. regardless of how you feel about the movie. Like the narrative of, of the story behind the movie, I thought was really going to push it, push him further. But I think there's just, you know, there's no stopping everything everywhere. How big a night do you actually think everything everywhere is going to have? Because I think I've heard everything from they're going to win all of their nominations to they're only going to get 
best picture and director and Kihei Kwan? Hmm. Uh, I think Michelle Yeoh is very much up in the air. I think Jamie Lee Curtis really could go either way. Um, both, I mean, how terrible that Angela Bassett and her have the same performances and uh, the same year that they're doing these performances. They're very different performances, but the same year. And they have the same narrative of like a lifetime of wonderful service to this industry and they, they deserve it. Um, I think, uh, I think editing, it seems only like how could you see another film and not be like this is the one that deserves uh as editing so i think i think they're on track for a really big night and um i think i i'm still shocked that it's there but it's so rare that my favorite movie of the year is actually in the oscars conversation and yet here we are and i the fact that it's going to dominate i'm i'm trying to remind myself how happy that would make me because it's been so dominant that it's hard so i'm definitely um i i don't teach on thursday so i'm gonna slide that in this week and and that'll probably be my last best picture nominee rewatch before uh the ceremony because i i just can't wait i'm hoping for a big night i'm I'm actually going to watch the ceremony in in a movie theater which is super cool uh so i can't I'm wait jealous to, of that. to do that amazing. yeah <laughs> i did think about so the the academy museum and I probably will want to do that some year. The Academy Museum mm. is hosting its own watch party. Oh, nice. Where you can, but it, but it is very much like they're, they're playing up the red carpet. Like you, you two can be in black tie uh. and eat fancy food. <laughs> and so I'm not ready to do that just yet. Like I can't commit to that, <laughs> but it did sound, it did sound fun to be watching it with other people who care as much about the Oscars. Although with that kind of event that you could it's it's dicey like it there's no guarantee that other film nerds would be there it might just be people who are looking to um schmooze yeah so <laughs> i don't know i haven't decided about that like who cool. what the crowd what the crowd would be like but that was that was the one thing where i saw when i got an email about that from the academy museum i was i was tempted to investigate and be like oh could i actually do this but instead i'm gonna be watching at home with a bunch of friends who are gonna come over and then watch me yell at the tv for two hours <laughs> While, uh, while they eat snacks and chat with each other. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, all right. I think we're ready to wrap this up. This has been a great, thank you so much, Greg. This has been an amazing conversation. Mm. I knew I could rely on you for these shorts categories and your expertise <laughs> and your recommendations. So that's fantastic. And I think you did a great job sort of plugging a lot of these films and hopefully people will listen to this and, and, and check them out. Where can folks find you on the internet? I know I made that mistake with Antonio. He's not on the internet, but I know that you are and you're pretty active. So where can people find you? I am on the internet. Uh, the best place to find me is on Instagram, actually, at Ion Cannon, which is my Star Wars uh, nerd name. So that's E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N. And uh, thank you for having me on. It was a privilege and I've really enjoyed uh, watching the long take uh, grow and blossom. And so since you are my professional mentor in all ways, I will also say you can find me online at ioncanon.substack.com where I have what? reignited my blog. So currently it just has the greatest hits from my last blogging efforts, but I have an entry that I'm cooking up right now. So if people want to jump over to my Substack and uh, sign on, there should be one that appears prior to the Oscar ceremony as long as I can write all day on Thursday. <laughs> Uh, I am but it's going to be hear this listeners. <laughs> this is this is hot news to me. This is breaking news <laughs> on the long take. I did not know that this is happening, and I'm I'm overjoyed. I'm going to link. I'll you'll be definitely part of my recommendations because that's a big thing on Substack is recommending other authors. So um, that's amazing. I'm so excited. 
Well, and I will just say, I'm not trying to do reviews like you. Uh, my previous blog was kind of long form uh, essays, and that's what I'm going to try to do again here. And I have one cooking up right now that I'll Very probably nice. go right after we get off this call. <laughs> nice. And usually, do you want to plug your other podcast? Because usually when oh. we're on mic together, we're talking about something very, very different. <laughs> I spend a lot of time down here in my basement. Uh, I am a co-host on uh, the Rebel Base Card podcast. Uh, we do a Star Wars show recap. So we are currently recapping both the Bad Batch and um, the Mandalorian uh, for a few more weeks before it's just Mando and then hopefully a rest before the next Star Wars show. Um, and I also host a, a Wheel of Time podcast, the gimmick of which is I know nothing about Wheel of Time and my co-host knows everything and we're reading the books together and that's called Through the Glass Columns. And both of those things are on social media. You can find them on your podcast host. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. Thanks for reminding me to plug them. I think uh, the the other Greg who hosts Rebel Base Card with you, I think would be would have some words if we <laughs> if you if I didn't hadn't prompted you to do that. So, all right, well, thanks again, Greg. This was incredibly enjoyable, and I I love learning about all the shorts that I haven't had a chance to see. I'm glad you this was an excuse for me to really buckle down and and get through a lot of the ones that I hadn't watched yet. So, uh, you know, everyone. Hopefully check at least one out that you, that piqued your interest as we were talking and we'll see you uh, in the next, the next installment of the long take. I can't, I cannot believe that I'm saying that uh, mm-hmm. we're I'm recording, planning to record with uh, another friend and colleague of mine, PT McNiff, and we're going to break down the crafts category. So that's, you know, editing and production design, ma- makeup, costume, all that good stuff. What all the categories that remain. So we'll have you by then entirely covered So stay tuned for that. And thanks again, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.